Hello, everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying, skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. I hope that, did the mic catch that? Good. Good, Drew. I think a little bit of that. I think a little bit of that went out there. Gina Sante time. Work That's to be right. done, right? Yeah, let's let's work. Uh, Dan Peck, this is the drive. Jason Caldwell from. I I still want to say inside the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, yeah I, it'll always be part of me. But, but it is yeah Auburn undercover. Do, do you like? Uh, is it Auburn undercover? Is the preferred uh, yeah. shorthand? Okay. Yep, that's so, it. And and uh, uh, we've got Drew at the controls. Uh, Jason doing a great job during one of the. I mean. It, the second half of November up until, I mean, really conference play gets started with men's basketball is, I mean, it is such an active period for on so many different beats, right? I mean, you're following yes, the th- football team as they complete the season. This is the, I mean, it, there's one A and one B. This is probably the second busiest time of the year um, from now till Christmas because of sign, early signing period. Even if even if you're in a situation where there's not a coaching change, right? Like even in yeah. a period where – Yeah, last because, year last year through that through the roof. Sure. This year it's different. It's just as busy but on a different level because they're actually recruiting. And because – I mean, we're, we're going to see guys every Friday night that they're actively recruiting. That wasn't the case for a lot of last season. Bill Cameron uh, just entered uh, the, uh, the Auburn Network uh, campus. He will be in his uh, captain's chair uh, very soon. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll we'll get Bill involved as well. But, uh, I mean, I, I kind of want to start with what Auburn did in Fayetteville on Saturday. Like, I, I still think that was one of the more remarkable uh, – I mean, it's, it's Auburn's best performance of the year. And you can add years. Years, yeah. It's a, one of Auburn, yeah, one of Auburn's better – considering the opponent and considering what the opponent had just done. And all season long, Arkansas had been playing good teams uh, to within – one score or or keeping things yeah. relatively close Correct. and and to to watch Auburn throttle that team on the road um yeah I mean I, I told somebody trying to explain it to them yesterday that performances like that are how teams become for lack of a better word trendy like that's when team that's when people start to take notice of a coach putting his imprint on a team. That's when, and I don't want to speak too broadly, Jason, but that's when recruits start to take notice. That's when people formulating the polls for next year and talking about teams in the preseason. Like those, those are the performances. And I guess in contrast to some other first and second year coaches in the SEC, I think it's reassuring for everyone involved from the top down that it feels like the team is improving as the season goes on. Because I think there are places where I don't know if they look at their team and say, we've improved over the course of this season, or we have 
we have improved over the uh, uh, we, we've uh, you know we, we've gotten better over the course of this coach's tenure. There are you know there are places that I think are asking. I mean, a couple of them this week. Yes, decided you know we we're we're not going in the correct direction. Correct. I think the argument Hugh Freeze made on Saturday is that certainly with what you see on the field, things are going in the right direction this season. And we'll see if that is also true of everything going on off the field when it comes to assembling the roster. Yeah, no, it's it was. Um, I, I I remember walking off the field at halftime thinking how important that that turnover and field goal was because of what Arkansas had done in Tuscaloosa earlier in the season. And you think about like you know Arkansas, you know, dominated a second half in Tuscaloosa played them toe-to-toe, had a chance to win the game. And, and I'm thinking, you know, Auburn, you, can, you, can you kind of put your foot on their neck? And that turnover at the end of the first half, just those three points felt like to me that squashed anything Arkansas had because they had gotten 11 yards on first down. It's 20 – missed, what, 24-3, 21. Should they have started – You go down and score a touchdown right there in the last minute and all of a sudden you go, man, momentum, momentum changes, everything changes. They got 11 yards on first down. They started throwing the ball about two drives. And they were like, going to get the ball to start the second correct. half. So That's, if they had scored there – That was it. They could have – Yeah, the momentum would have switched yeah, – And, Auburn, could have switched and, completely. and Auburn just completely took that out of the equation. Yeah, it felt like to me I kept waiting for – It's like, all right, guys – you got to start throwing the ball down the field with KJ. Couldn't and do it because they couldn't protect. Yeah, and it was. Um, I mean, it, and, and Auburn was dominating them at the line of scrimmage. That was the thing that that I came out of that game. I knew Arkansas had issues. Auburn physically dominated the football game on both lines of scrimmage, and that's something that has has progressed. Now, Mississippi State, Vandy, Arkansas, those were three teams that Auburn had an opportunity to do that with, but they did it. And that's what we talked about here a month ago, going, look, now's the time to start making some hay. And they did exactly what they needed to do. And, and you start thinking about players making an impact who, who could be on next year's team and who could be you know, able to go through the entire offseason uh, with Auburn. Uh, and, and you know, there are some players, I think, with really interesting NFL decisions. I don't know if there's any slam dunk underclassmen declaring for the NFL draft on the team. I would guess Keontae would be the closest thing. DJ, maybe. Like, I think guys in the secondary. Yeah, but he's technically a senior. Right, but guys with with at least one year of eligibility remaining. I think DJ James and Marcus Harris are two slam dunks. Sure. Marcus was the one I I was sort of going to get to Marcus with this question. I think him and DJ James are both slam dunk guys. He has been, even in games where Auburn uh, didn't win, he's been sensational. Yeah. This year, Marcus Harris has. Um, I I mean, selfishly, I'd love to see – uh, the folks, uh, the powers that be, make uh, make it worth his while to stick around and play next year. And it, I understand that can't, you know. Well, that, a lot of that will depend on okay, what what are the NFL evaluations? What do they tell you? Um, that's a tough. Uh, the, the defensive line jump from, it's, from it's, to the second level is. We've seen really good college players who correct because because it, it all it's all about fit. It's all about what what scheme do they see you fitting? What position do you play? All those things are, are going to be val- you know important for him, but. You start going to go even if you know you start thinking about potential guys. I, I think Keontae Scott will come back personally. Um, he loves it at Auburn. I think he's a guy that they probably want to see. Okay, play a full year, show us what you can do. Even though he's played a lot of good, good football for this team. Um, My understanding of tightrope surgery or whatever, like like it's it's pretty remarkable that he's yes. playing at this level so soon. Yeah, well, and, and Brock Bowers did it 
extremely quick too. I mean, they they figured something out here. We'll see if it has any lingering stuff down the line, but it it, it hasn't felt like that way for two, and it's a different position. But um, but yeah, no, it's Saturday felt like, and 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 I wrote about it on Sunday, sitting in the airport in Tulsa. I was like, that felt like a maybe a watershed moment. To Auburn has played well in in Fayetteville. They just have for whatever reason. Auburn usually goes out there and plays pretty well. But I have I don't remember an Auburn team doing that to a team that had a whole lot to play for. Arkansas was sitting there going, "Look, here we are. We just just played our best game of the year. You got an opportunity to go to a bowl game. Um, everything's kind of set up. Going, okay, you get Auburn at home, and and you in, haven't delivered a good home performance in, all season. In if you're four Arkansas, minutes, really. that game was over with. I mean, in four minutes, um, and then Auburn didn't let up, and that was the thing. The second half. Continuing to go, they Auburn could have seriously scored seventy points. There's no no question about it. And um, ran the ball, ran it when Arkansas knew they were going to run it. Oh, if Hugh Freeze had been worried about Peyton Thorne setting Auburn records, he could have set them in that game. Right? Yeah, like if it was about I think, like, I think easily could have been a five or six touchdown pass game. I, I think they could have. They obviously they threw the ball only a couple of times. They were for touchdowns when they threw it. Um, I think they could have done some of those things, but. I'm not saying he's going to do Jaden Daniels 606 total yards no. in an SEC game. No, but they could. Yeah, they could have. They could have had more touchdown passes for sure. Could have joined. So, could have joined the 400 club or something. Yeah, maybe. but but you know, it was a, it was a it was a, a big day, and you know, you start going okay, now you get an opportunity to come out, and take care of Auburn. That's that's what this Saturday is about. Is okay, what what do you take care of business? What you, handle what you need to handle. Worry about Auburn, and then worry about the next one and so um hey bowl eligible you set yourself up now because of because there's no bottom of the league bowls i mean I, right now i'd be really shocked you know if you look at, at florida i'd be shocked if they win one of their last two south carolina's got to win both their last two um assuming auburn takes care of business saturday i mean the iron bowl is where Auburn's bowl projections really start to swing. I, I, I don't think so. You don't think so? You think it's Texas or No, I don't think it's going to be Texas. I think Texas A&M is going to be in Texas. Mm -hmm. I think if you're Houston, you go, hey, give us A&M. Um, you'll have them in maybe probably a new coach. They'll, there'll be some excitement. At least you'll get fans there. That's an 8 o'clock start. I think the most interesting, and I haven't seen this projected by anyone, but I think if Auburn were to finish the season strong, um, to, to see – I believe it's formerly is, is ReliaQuest formerly I don't the, want to get this the Outback one. That's that's formerly I think that's Tampa yeah. and then there's the Gator Bowl. See for me for me, Auburn had played in the Gator Bowl in forty years or fifty it's years. A, yeah, it's the seventies, right? Mid seventies. It's yeah. seventy four. Fifty years. Gator, I, I, Gator Bowl Notre Dame would that, be the most interesting that, to thing me, on the that, board. That right? is by far yeah. and away the game. Um, is that where you were going with that? Yes, is, yeah, yes, yeah, that's yeah. it. That's I mean that that's the spot for me. Jacksonville Gator Bowl. The history there, Auburn had Auburn had a lot of history there, but it's been a long time. And so. one of the projections had Nebraska in Music City, which I mean I, I know there's that there are enough Auburn people in and around Nashville that I think would probably be okay with seeing the Auburn football team make, make another visit, and that's a festive enough place to spend yeah. that yeah. weekend. I don't think there'd be too many I don't, it, I don't it, be too much grumbling. If you win Saturday, and no matter what happens in the Iron Bowl play toe-to-toe -to -toe and do the things you need to do. Their Auburn fans are going to go to a bowl game this year. They're going to travel. There's going to be a bunch of them. The excitement. 
I think Nebraska um, fans would be pretty fired up about getting to the Music City Bowl too. I'd, I'd be just, pretty excited about just bowling period being anywhere. Right? That's like, it. Yeah. And, and you know what? And you'd be surprised how many of them show up when they're excited about something. Yeah, like that, that's yeah. a that's a fan base. Yeah. That so I, you know, I think got that, numbers. You know, there's lots of things to look forward to. Um, you know, for this team, I, the, the the thing I have when I'm thinking about upward mobility for bowls is that you have Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee that are kind of all sitting there. If Kentucky wins out, I guess they'd also join that join that conversation. I've, I've seen some eight, people they would be in, eight and four, maybe if yeah, they went out. I've seen I, them, in the, but that would also involve them beating Louisville, who's, yeah. who's you know rolling at at the moment. So yeah, so lots of things to look forward to. But uh, but yeah, positive, um, huge weekend, <laughs> lots of recruiting. Um, yeah, it was it was everything. If, if you're Hugh Freeze and this staff, everything that you could hope for. You got high school football on the uh, on the schedule. You got some. You gonna be able to go to anything? This? Yeah, you know, as as much as I want, I'd like to go see Auburn Central. The rematch there. Mm-hmm. Um, probably gonna go to to maybe like Parker Oxford. There's so many guys in that game and get a chance to go see them. Um, would probably be the uh, the game right now. Auburn Central is gonna be happening though right it is it's gonna i would say the sidelines probably pretty packed for that game so uh it might might be another reason to go elsewhere just to be able to maneuver a little bit what uh what do you make of uh <clears throat> coleman and uh and, and texas a&m now with, with jimbo <sighs> fisher? i guess maybe we should talk about jimbo fisher and then we then we should talk about the impact it could have on recruiting but. yeah i think it's obvious it has an impact because you're going to have a minimum changes on a staff um you know, the, you're not going to have the same offense. You're going to have a different coordinator, more than likely. Um, your position coach, you know, will Damian Craig stay at A&M? I guess it's a possibility. Um, but you wouldn't feel like there would be a great possibility. So you start talking about movement, all the things going on there. I think it has to have an impact. Does it have enough of an impact? We'll see. But it had enough of an impact for Cam to come over Monday and kind of hang out for a little while. Um, you know, talk to the coaches, do some things. He was here. He was here for a while Monday, oh. and so um, had enough of an impact to do that. How much does that change things? I think the momentum that Auburn's already got on the on the trail by flipping Emmanuel Waller. Uh, you know, you get Laquan Robinson the other day, you get Ryan Gee, the, the tight end of twenty twenty five. There's there's some positive movement going on, and uh, that doesn't hurt as well. We talked about it. Momentum's momentum is like location. You know, they always say, what's the most important thing in a business location? Look, well, they, what's the most important thing in recruiting? Momentum, momentum, momentum. Yep. And Auburn has it right now. I believe there are multiple industries that will tell you timing is everything. Like, that's, that's I mean, Auburn's going to have, you know, they've got, it seems like they're peaking at the right time uh, in, in large part for uh, for recruiting. Hey, when you heard that Jimbo Fisher was, uh, was, was being let go, is there a name that popped into your head or a top tier of guys that you suspect will be the next head coach at A&M? Mm. Well, there's two different things because I think about John Cohen and I think about what we talked about with Auburn and I and I thought about the word fit and I went, well, will A&M hire the best fit or will they go after the biggest name? We don't know what, which way that's going to happen because I firmly believe the best fit is Jeff Trailer. I, I think the best fit for I that thought program. You were, I thought you were going to say Mike Elko. Yeah, I, I think I think Jeff Trailer. I think is the best fit. His ties in the state of texas he's been at ut san antonio do you think they would be scared by someone uh, making the jump to see the, that, to the sec so that's the thing is after it, seeing yeah, some power are you worried coaches? you are worried about the best fit are you worried about the the it, most important name it's, seeing harson and napier struggle the way they're struggling would terrify me about bringing in like i think jeff trailer's a really good football coach i think he would probably do a pretty good job i think that's a guy i guess jamie chadwell would also be in this in this tier 
um, where it's I'd, I'd be nervous but, but, about. But, but flip side, I mean, look at Kansas. It's true. Look at Kansas State. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it you know it's just about the guy. It's about could I, could it, the, hey, the personality. Could A and M look at Kansas? Ross Bjork's not gonna. Ross Bjork's gonna want a bigger splash. See, and, that's, and that's my thing. Is it fit or and, and knowing him, it's gonna be we're gonna go try to get the mm-hmm. biggest guy we can get and overpay somebody and and get a, a splash higher. And I've been laughing at people talking about, oh, if they get this guy, they're gonna recruit really well. Well, they already have. Yeah, like really. That hasn't been the problem. They're going to get players. They've always had players. It's the same argument I had for Georgia. You know, they're, they're talking about, well, well, well. look now. Well, Georgia always had players, but they're getting more of those guys now. They always had players. I, I do believe every everything we said last season about why Lane Kiffin would do a good job at Auburn is probably true of Texas A&M if they were to hire him. Like ev- everything we said last year about Lane Kiffin – as as a candidate at Auburn, if if A and M could pull that off, yeah. I think would be true of A and M at the of, one, of Lane Kiffin. The A&M. one question is: Is it exactly opposite of what you have? Can you play enough defense to to get yourself over the hump? That's the question. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss's defense has gotten better, but they haven't competed against the top teams. Georgia and Alabama, they have not competed defensively against those teams. Can you get to that level? I don't know that he can't. Now he might be able to a day at him. But that's that that's always going to be the is question. Your, is your ceiling higher at Texas A and M than it is at Ole Miss? Oh, it's not even close. Yes, um, but you know everybody's talking about in this, a twelve this, team playoff. Everybody like talking is, about is, yeah. this top tier thing for A and M. You historically you think we well, got everything you need to do it, but historically it hasn't been done. And so, what what does it take to get there? That's the part that. To hey. me, to me, if there's if there's a slam dunk that they could realistically pull off, to me, it's Lane Kiffin. That I mean, that, I don't know if that, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if that's true. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. We're talking about fit. Yeah. Uh, the A and M crowd. I don't think that's a fit. No, it's, I think Lane Kiffin's a better fit in case Florida makes a move. Yeah. See, I, I don't. A and M. I like Lane Kiffin in Florida the last A&M's time. Very I cons- no, I mean he yes. fits better there. Yeah, though. No, I, I mean Jason's A&M's right. A and M's very conservative. Yes. Very historic. Military. I mean, I just, I just here, don't, I don't see here, that being here, Lane. I'm telling you, here's your guy. And I heard somebody talking about it the other day, and I'm like, that's exactly right. The guy's Dabo Sweeney. He really is, and Gene Stallings yeah. is there. That that that's your guy. That's and if, right. if he feels like okay, we're done. I agree. Clemson, that, that's I agree. the one for me that that you might have to watch. It would be an acknowledgement, and that would be a splash. There's a guy they go out and get somebody that's done more than Jimbo had done. And, no, and it's, and it's thinking the plan was right with Jimbo. The guy was the wrong right guy. Like they like they had the they Jimbo. Had, Jimbo did it because of because he had a great quarterback. One time that Dabo's done it with multiple, yeah, yeah, with two. multiple great quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's right though. But but, but they also play defense and they've yeah, done these things. Right. So I don't know that, that that would be the one I would kind of go. Mm, that might that might be the Brian Kelly kind of hire. I wasn't thinking so much about Kiffin playing to the uh, to the midnight yell crowd as much as I was thinking. That, and like, you got to do it. No, you're right. And you I was yeah. I was thinking more the combination of Kiffin and resources. But they you're, could, you're uh, right. They there's, could build a probably... ramp for Dabo and let him run out of the upper deck before Kiffin, the game or Kiffin, something like that. Kiffin, <laughs> Kiffin at Florida. You know, I, I was sort of alluding to Billy Napier there when we were talking about like uh, if Houston. they go five and seven. I mean, and there's a real there's a real chance of that. They're at Missouri this week, oh. and then they've got Florida State. Uh, that means eleven and fourteen in two years. I would not want to play those two teams right now. No, 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 um, no. And you look at at they've and lost. How bad is the Arkansas? Lo- game well, they've, look they've now. lost. They've lost three commitments in the last four days, and they've had two kids announce transfers. Yeah, 
I mean, no. Well, you're giving up 40. They're giving up 40 a game over the last four <laughs> games, and they're probably going to give it up in the next two. I just think it's fair. It's totally fair for that for that program to be wondering if – I mean, we were talking about Hugh Freeze making an argument on Saturday that things are going in the right direction. There's signs off the field. Do, do you know? Do you know that, that Florida's going in the right direction right now with Napier? Like, it's, it's a – No. No, you don't. It doesn't feel like it to me. Yeah, we're, we're way behind. Need to get to break. Love for you to join in. 334-321-1390. That is the drive hotline presented by Skybar. That's right. You can also text the show. 334-564-1840 on the drive text box presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. And they also sponsor the podcast. All right. We're right back. Jason Caldwell with us here on the Wednesday Drive. This is Martha Hank. Live with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Wednesday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Jason Caldwell from Auburn Undercover, part of the uh, 247 247 network. Uh, we'd love for you to join in. Your thoughts on anything and there is a lot there's a lot going on. I mean, uh, obviously um, it's it's probably about time to start putting the the Arkansas game, the Arkansas game to bed. I know that you know, at least we're not the players. We're not we're not the ones. I mean, um, Hugh Freeze has he has a little motivation for New Mexico State though, Jason. Yeah, you know, last year they lost. They were a, they were a pretty big favorite to them and lost pretty big up there. Mm-hmm. And it was the it was the game just a couple of hours and a couple of days before he took the job at Auburn, and so that had all that undertones. They played three or four different quarterbacks because they had they lost guys. so many. Yes, right. and so it was it was a different game. But you know, quarter same quarterback from New Mexico State. I know he's a little banged up. Uh, had a hamstring injury. Yeah, I saw that, and uh, I, I'm sure Auburn still has to prepare. Yeah. for him, he didn't. I, I looked at a little of the game film from last week, and he didn't run it much no. after he grabbed that hamstring yeah, yeah, early, he had like 40 yards rushing, and most right. of it was right there. And so that's that's a big part of what he does. But no, it's hey. You get to this point if you're Auburn, and the, the one thing you want to do is keep going. And, uh, you know, this is a team that has, you know, been been fighting to get to this point. You finally get your momentum. I, I, and I, I know the word will be from the coaches, look, we've talked about it. You're not good enough to roll the football out against anybody. You go out and turn it over a couple of times, and it doesn't matter who you're playing. You're going to have a, you're going to have a tough task on your hand. So just go out and go, look. Keep doing what you're doing. Hey, run the football, first of all. Um, and then that defensive front, having Jalen McLeod healthy has been a game changer for them. And, hey, do those things and get after it. And you do that and you'll be okay. I like what I've seen out of the receivers these last couple of weeks. But I know with, couple with of drops some, here or there. Yeah. Sure. No, but I mean, I mean, name some names. I mean, but, but VAR, the, VAR. But they are who, making plays. Bill asked the question about VAR at the press conference on Monday. And, and that's a guy I think Hugh Freeze would love to have healthy and available all season yep. next year. Uh, Jay Fair, uh, uh, you know, at, at times has has looked like the most explosive and, player, and, and and kept coming after the cheapest of shots that I can remember Ooh. seeing Saturday. I'm oh, glad, yeah. you know what? I'm glad that targeting was called. I also think that's a situation that should have been an ejection. I was going to say, I've seen. I think that could have been period. an ejection without targeting. I don't care if it's targeted or not. Absolutely, yes. I think that's the kind of hit that that would justify an ejection. With I mean, I mean Jay Fair had slowed up. Yes, and that, and oh, that he guy, was three. Oh, and he half was yards yeah. out of bounds too. Right. And that, yeah, that's that's an that's an ejectable that's <laughs> but, an ejectable hit without targeting. But it was you know <clears throat> Caleb Burton early. 
makes a catch. Mm-hmm. You know, run, it's funny. He seems to be contact. targeted early, and then we don't see him I think much it's, after I that. I think it's they can rep those things early. Uh-huh. And then you have to kind of go on the fly after that. And he's still kind of you – know, I mean, hey, he wasn't here in, in the spring and right. do those things. So it's been a little bit more difficult for him to kind of catch up and do some of that stuff. But um, we saw – and we talked about it, you know, three weeks ago or so. The more plays the guys on the outside make – the more Rivaldo Fairweather can be involved because you can't make him your number one target if you're a defense. And so, you know, you get VAR and you get, you know, Fair and you get those other guys making plays, and all of a sudden Rivaldo Fairweather becomes a much bigger part of things. You run the football, and all of a sudden Rivaldo Fairweather becomes a much bigger part of things. And so um, that that's the thing for me is I, I look at this group and I'm still amazed at, at what this offensive line has been able to do. Just completely rebuilt. Um, they haven't been and, they and haven't been helped and either. and playing seven guys or so. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, you've had to you've had to rotate with Cam Stutz and Gunnar Britton at times, and you know you look out there and Jaden Muskrat's a tackle a little bit, and you got a different guard and Jeremiah <laughs> Wright's in there. You played a true freshman center, and they've gotten better. They really have, and and so I, I think it's been a, a remarkable job by Jake Thornton and Kendall Simmons and those guys in, in that offensive line group. We were talking about players with an NFL decision to make uh, in the previous segment, and I think that a guy like uh, guy like Dylan Wade, um, who has a year of eligibility to utilize if he wants to, yeah, uh, also has the NFL. You know, he's been talking about it throughout the throughout since his arrival. Right? I think even when he got in the portal, you know, I think the NFL was was the idea one year at the Power Five level and then and then moving up. Dylan Wade, it would be great to pencil in as your left tackle for another season. Uh, what do you? What about what about going out and finding a true tackle and moving him to his traditional spot at guard next year? Well, that'd be fine too. I think that is, yeah. I think that would be. You also have to replace Gunnar Britton. I think I that so. would be an ideal situation for Auburn because I think they feel good about too tall yeah. Isaiah Miller, the, the job he's done. You know, Tyler Johnson is coming on. They believe he's going to be a really good player. Will he be ready to jump in as a starter next year? Maybe not quite ready yet, but they've offered a couple of junior college guys. I could see a transfer going, hey, we need somebody to, so we can find somebody to, to step in right here, right now. And if you did that, then the possibility of moving a Dylan Wade in, and then, you, and then he could show the NFL guys, hey, here's my natural spot, maybe a little bit better fit. So I think that's, that's a potential. I think there's some things to look at for this team. How many of your tight ends come back? All those guys have eligibility remaining. How many of those guys come back and give you another year? I think Rivaldo Fairweather's a guy that could test it, but I think teams are going to want to see him add the physicality is, side of things from a blocking standpoint. Is his natural position in the NFL tight end? Oh, yeah. Or is it, okay. Yeah, I think, well, in today's world, yeah. I think he is that that tight end that you see from San Francisco and – in Kansas City, that kind of guy that that is flexed out, running routes, doing those things. I think he's just still so raw that another year for him would be vital. So there's a couple of those guys. Jarquez Hunter is a guy that could test it, but he, as a third year running back, he probably has as few a carries as you could possibly have That's because true. he hasn't been counted for on for a starter. Yeah, sure. I mean, he hasn't been counted on. And I had to go back and look and, and see how many times he's carried the ball more than twenty times. My guess would be zero. I don't know that he's ever carried it more than 20 times in a game. I mean, the thought of bringing back Jarquez, Damari Alston, and Jeremiah Cobb, right? And, like, having all three of and those Brian guys. And Brian Batiste. He's got a year left. He's, he's got a year left. For, years. Some, for, some reason, I, for some reason, I thought Brian Batiste was out of eligibility. The, on, the only guys that you know of are Avery Jones, 
Gunner Britton, Shane Hooks, Cam, Jair Shorter, um, Cam Stutz. Yeah, yeah, Cam Stutz. Yeah. I'm talking about over your transfer group. Oh, okay. Jair Shorter and uh, Nick Mardner. So all three of those older receivers are going to mm-hmm. be those guys. And, then, and we haven't seen much of them lately. N- no. Um, and then you look defensively. You look at Elijah McAllister, um, Larry Nixon, <clears throat> uh, Nehemiah Pritchett, and even Jalen Simpson and and Zion Puckett, I think, would technically have another year. I don't expect those guys to return. But those are the guys that, that for sure, guys, that, that won't be back this year. Everybody else has the possibility to return. And so that'll be an interesting thing to see what happens with them um, and, you know, and the possibilities for them. So, you know, lots of, lots of things to be done, lots of decisions to be made for this group. But, um, no, I think, um, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of possibilities when you start thinking about the guys that could, could have it done. And let's see, I'm this, I may have talked myself into a story idea. Um, <laughs> When you look always at, happy to help. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, I mean that is that's information. That's the kind of stuff people, you know, may not know about every one of them, and it's really good information. Well, Eligibility and, report. Well, uh, the, well, the other part of it is Jarquez Hunter. That that's the one I was talking about. Has not carried the ball more than nineteen times ever in a game. Wow. He does not have a twenty carry game in his career. Which is the hope. I mean, I think with with a lot of you know with the way with the way things are going at running back now, you know, in in football that you you know unless you have unless you have someone who's just overwhelming compared to your other options, you'd like to be able to balance it out and have guys be a little bit more fresh. No, this is, it's, it's, it's the ideal thing. You know, had he been, you know, tank tank had 20 carry games. Had he been the starter the past couple of years, he would have had that thing. And if we had had prior coaches at Auburn, my guess is the way Jarquez is playing the last three or four weeks, we would have seen a 20 plus carry game for him. And we haven't because we've seen Demari Austin and Brian Batie and you know those guys because they want to spread the wealth a little bit and keep guys fresh. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Twenty five minutes away from five o'clock, we'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Come on in and join us here on the Wednesday Drive. Edward Via College of Osteopathic Medicine in Auburn is dedicated to its mission of transforming medical students. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Wednesday afternoon. How long are you with us, Jason? I'm here to five. Oh, okay, good. Because I want to want to talk a little basketball. I want to talk a little baseball too. What What do you want to jump into right now? Yeah, I'm good either way. Let, let's uh, let's 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 do a little baseball before we get into basketball. That's fine. Because uh, they they wrap things up. Um, was it? Yeah, it was just yesterday, right? Yeah, today is their day where they have hot dog, steak, and all that stuff for the uh-huh. victors. But um, yeah, wrapped up uh, the World Series yesterday and. It's been a really interesting fall for them. Had had pretty good weather, and that was the first thing. Um, you know, other than the the early injury, um, we're able to get uh, Cooper McMurray back and swing the bat a little bit. And he had a couple of home runs. Uh, had one in uh, against um, Southern Miss. I mean, not Southern Miss. Louisiana, Louisiana Tech. Tech, and then had a couple in the World Series. So, um, getting him back at first base and 
um, swing the bat would be really good for this team. But I like seeing uh, you noted that Bobby Pierce had had one in each too, and I mean he's, he's a guy that hits it so hard, and you just felt like if he get a little more lift, that's gonna the, the, the he's the gonna get some homers. Starting to get there, I think he's a guy that has a fifteen to twenty home run yeah, potential. I agree. Um, moving forward, but probably the biggest thing for them has been you worry about the middle. And so you start catcher, shortstop, second base, center field. You, mm-hmm. you lose all those guys. Now they had, you know, you got a second baseman back who's who started last year, but they're looking at moving him around some in uh, in Caden Green. But um, you know, you look behind the plate, and and Ike Irish is kind of the incumbent, but Carter Wright's a guy that caught some last year, and then you add a true freshman in Kale Strickland, the son of former Georgia coach Scott Strickland. Oh, okay. Who's a? I mean, you just think about former coach, son of a former coach. He has come in and been really good. They feel like they got three guys that can win. And so that's a good starting point there. They felt so good that Ike Irish is a guy that they've maybe against righties, you go, okay, maybe put, put him out in, in right field or against lefties, put him out in right field and keep his bat in there and get another right-handed bat in the lineup. So he's, he's seen a little action in right field. But in the middle, Cooper Weiss is a, a Miami, Ohio shortstop, was at Coastal Carolina before that, um, that has been really good defensively. And then Derek Fabian. Uh, was it Florida? Um, Judd Fabian's younger brother, who's was a big time mm-hmm. player for the Gators. Yeah, he was like uh, Mr. Baseball. Yeah, down there, Derek he? was a guy that had a big time summer up in the Cape, and so this is a six three guy that second baseman, and they've had pretty good, pretty good rapport. Javon Hernandez from Jacksonville State, I think he had it. He batted about four thirty in the in the World Series. Hit like three ninety seven last year for the Gamecocks. Could play second, short, third. Um, so they got some options in there. Gavin Miller returns, the guy that can play some third. And then I mentioned Caden Green. So they feel like they got four or five guys for those three spots, which is good. And then, obviously, you lose Casey Howell in his five or six years in center field. But now you get Chris Stanfield. Right. And, you, and that's his natural that's position, That's his natural too. spot. Bobby Pearson, right field, can, can do the things he's done. He comes back. And then you add in Mason Maynard from Jacksonville State, uh, transfer K. Ballou from Auburn High School. Uh, Cole Edwards, Kay Ballou's a big kid, uh, you know, 6'3", left-handed bat. You know, Cole Edwards is 6'4", like 215, right-handed mm-hmm. bat from up in the Birmingham area. That's been pretty good as well. So you add those pieces, and, and so you start to go, I feel feeling better about the position, guys. You know, Joseph Gonzalez on the mound is just ramping up to the season. He's not taking time off. Most of these guys are going to have a 45-day right. window where they I'm, take time off, and, you know, Butch was like – I talked to him. He's like, our goal is to to no drop off. At a minimum, pick up where you left off or try to get better. For Joseph, it is like we're we're not going to stop. We're going to throw a little bit by little bit by little bit to get him ready. And and he had f- he had five innings last year, right? So I mean, I yes, sort, sort of yeah, it was like all, he, all on, on, on day. one day. Yeah. That's it. So you go, hey, don't shut down. Keep going and have him ready to go on opening day where he's ready to go five or six innings and, and kind of build up. But um, Young guys, Cam Tilly, the true freshman pitcher, Team USA guy, 94-95. They're like, hey, he was a guy that closed for Team USA. He's comfortable in that role. He's fine with being a back end of the, of the game guy. So he, you could have him and Will Cannon. Tyler, you know, Tanner Bauman back is the mm-hmm. lefty kind of guy. Um, John Armstrong is back as that kind of sidearm setup guy. And then you think Zach Crotchfeld, Chase Alsop. Um, yeah, they, they, they've got a lot of arms. They, they really do. This, uh, I mean, it's, it's just exciting to think about. All right, let's, uh, let's get to the uh, drive. Oh, we just lost him right then. I was trying to go ahead and get to you, Spectre. Um, uh, if, 
give us a call back and we'll go ahead and get right to you. Uh, tell you what we'll do. We'll go ahead and get to break. That'll give Spectre an opportunity if he wants to, to call back and he can come up right out of the break. We'll talk some basketball as well as we continue here on the Wednesday Drive. It's time to start at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final segment of hour number one. Here on this, because it's dark, makes me think like, oh, yeah, we're just about done. I I can't stand it. I really can't. Uh, To to look Uh, up at 4.30 and and it's pitch black. Oh, I know. That is crazy. Uh, Let's let's get to the drive hotline. I was trying to get to you, Spectre, and and you must have hit the trigger right right about the time we were going to you. How are you doing today? I'm good. I had to answer a call real quick. Oh, that's fine. Uh, uh, But uh, I want to talk about, the receiving core of minute. I didn't want you guys. I wanted to get me right before you change subjects, but that's all right. That's all right. See, now we're fresh coming out of break, so that's fine. Okay. Um, what I want to talk about um, one particular receiver, Cam uh, Brown. Uh, you know, for the last, the last several what, ten games, I guess you could say, we've been talking about the receiving core. Now, everybody's came up with an excuse that, you know, oh, well, these guys haven't been together long, quarterback, receiver, such as that. Well, you know, I, I just think that's a lame excuse, really, because here's the, here's the bottom line. Uh, the QBs are not hitting these guys in the back with football, and, and the receivers are somewhat getting open and making their routes, and the quarterback is hitting the guy in the hands with the ball and he's dropping them. And Cam Brown is not the only one, but he's the most consistent about it. With that being said, uh, should we be looking at Marcus Davis? Well, I mean, uh, can he catch the ball for him? I mean, I, I mean that's the thing. I mean, yeah, you know what it, I'm talking well, about. I mean, I, I, well, I know that, but I mean, like, at what point do you go, hey, okay, we're going to play somebody else, and they've, yeah. they've done that, they've but he didn't recruit him either. Now, Jason, um, yesterday I, you know, I was reading some reports. I think Nathan was writing about uh, practice yesterday that that Cam that Camden Brown made a made a spectacular catch and and the uh, the team all you know reacted very positively and things like that. I mean, you have to go on what you've seen, obviously, and yeah. and when they're not doing it in games, that's going to cut into their playing time. Yeah, I think in the specific case you're citing, Spectre, I would look more at Cam Brown than Marcus Davis. As far as like someone, you know what I mean, like that. I mean, if, if the were, guys if, are getting open it, more, then that means something if, if better were, is happening. If it were more widespread among the whole team all season long, and I'd say especially if you're looking at a situation where that had been, uh, you know, where, where that 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 was a change from the way these players had played previously, or if you're talking about certainly if new players come in next year and it remains a problem with everyone he coaches, maybe at some point you start thinking. Well, no, this this is a flaw of the position coach. I would say we do not have enough data to reach that conclusion on Marcus Davis. Well, no, that's the reason I'm bringing it up. You know, as a coach, and if he, if Marcus Davis has got the problems, if you're putting the problem on him, why would why as a coach would you keep putting him out there? Well, I think that's what Jason was saying. This Spectre. they've they've well, changed they, they, the guys that have been out there up a, quite a bit from yeah, what they, we saw early. Yeah, they played a bunch of different guys. And, and it's and tempting like he, when it, when a guy gets open. It's tempting to keep playing him because he's getting open, even if you know, thinking, oh, well, well next time he's gonna 
you know, it's like if a basketball player keeps getting great looks and they keep going off the rim. You know, it's like, well, you know, maybe, maybe the next one's maybe the next one's going in. I think maybe there's a belief with and, some of that with, with, with Cam Brown. And the other thing is you just don't have many guys that have size that you can play on the outside, and you'd like to have somebody to do that and hope that they can make some plays. Correct, because, I mean, basically they've gone away from playing 14. Like, Jair Shorter was the guy they played early. Yep. They've, they've gone away from him. Nick Mardner played some. They've gone away from him. You look now and you've got Shane Hooks and Camden Brown. That's that's the really only guys your, only, with real your size. only size guys outside and and Camden I would say probably is playing twenty five snaps maybe a game maybe it maybe not even that many I don't know but he he's not playing a ton one of those targets Saturday from me we didn't ask Hugh Free specifically but but third and three I feel ninety nine point nine percent sure that that was a run that was supposed to be a run and and it was and it wound up being an RPO throw that the one that was that was dropped that or the, broken up. Yeah, the one where, the, where Camden one, didn't look like he was expecting the yeah, ball there was coming. One to him. That was a yeah. straight drop. Not to make yeah. excuses yes. for Cam Brown either, but wasn't there? Wasn't he the player that Hugh Freeze talked about? Like hadn't he, Hugh Freeze hadn't seen him practice? Yeah, pretty pretty late. Stay in the, trying to stay healthy. It was like during fall camp. Yeah, well, he missed a lot of the spring too. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. so so the guy guy who battled injuries much of the off season too. Appreciate it, Specter. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. And, and I, I think there's an interesting thing. I was thinking about Inspectors, right? You know, you know we I kind of took it a little his his point a little differently i was thinking about the coach's problem and it was you know well what do you do about the coach and it made me think about something this week mike bobo's guy that that auburn fans trashed pretty heavily mm -hmm. georgia fans trashed pretty heavily when he was hired too doing a pretty good job with really good players that does help. That's normally the key. That does help. Some surprising names on that Broyles Award list this week, uh, including uh, two two former Auburn offense coordinators and Travis, who, yeah. was, who was on that list. Although after watching Auburn, I think Ron Roberts should be on that list. I, I agree. I think so too. Yeah, I think I think the job he's done. I think it's um, been fabulous. Has been fantastic. But yeah, Chip Lindsey, Mike Bobo, both on the offensive side. Back to the phone we go, and Dak is next. Hey, Dak. Hey guys, good to hear you today, man. What's up, Dak? Hey, man, just follow up uh, after hearing Spectre's question. Uh, one of the things that that bothered me about the drops the other day uh, with Brown is how he acted afterwards. And as a coach, that would really bother me. I don't know if y'all saw it on TV, but he hung his head. He drug his head all the way across the field both times that he dropped the ball. And to me, that is, that. That says a lot. Now, I'm not saying get rid of him, uh, but but at some point, I do agree with Specter that you got to start sitting him on the bench. I do realize that we don't have a lot over there because we've tried a couple. Mm -hmm. But has and my question, what I'm leading to, is has has anybody or does anybody know if Robbie has asked to maybe play some receiver? Because to me, the way he runs, the way I believe he could play a slot receiver position and be damn good at it. When, Jason, though, what's your take when, on that? When could when do you think he could be good? That's the question because it ain't going to be tomorrow. He might be good by next year if he did it, but he's not going to be better than Javarius Johnson and Jay Fair right now. But and and to his question, I haven't heard any and, any no, any indication I, I that, that Robbie's a that he I think wants he's, to move. I think he's a quarterback in his mind, and that's what he wants to be. The other part of it is. I think Cameron Brown is frustration, um, and it's easy to get frustrated because he's a guy that expects more of himself than that. And when you make those mistakes and you have those, it's hard to go. Because here's the thing: 
if he's clapping coming off the field and happy, then, then people oh, then are really people, mad. They, I, you're absolutely right. And he's got to be thinking, oh, crap, I'm not going to get many more chances when he does something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, your so head would be hanging. It's a fine line, but I'll tell you this. I wrote about it this week. The single most impressive thing I've seen in the last three weeks is the response from Peyton Thorne after making two really boneheaded throws. He's made two really boneheaded throws, and instead of doing that, he's, you know what he did? He came back and did it again and said, you know what, I'm confident that I'm going to go make this play. And to me as a quarterback, that, that, that's what that, you got to have. Is a yeah. very, because I look at it and, and I look at Drew Aller at Penn State, and people are like, well, he hadn't, hadn't – I don't want a quarterback that hadn't thrown an interception because that means he hasn't taken any chances at all. I want a guy that has a belief that sooner or later I'm going to go give my guy a chance to make a play – and if you don't cut it loose a few times and go, yeah, that might be a little chancy, then you're probably not pushing the edge enough. Now you don't, you can't make the mistakes that he's made, but he's also you definitely can't go, make them again. No, but he's also <laughs> going back out and said, you know what, right. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna keep going, and, mm-hmm. and and so there is a fine line. But Camden is a guy that that believes he's a guy that that can make those types of plays, and I think it's just more a frustration for him than anything, yeah. and. Um, They'll come back to him, and he's going to make one. And, you know, we've seen other guys do that, too. Well, we did. Quickly, Jason, that's going to be interesting basketball. It is. uh, Notre Dame, not a great team, but you're going to play a road environment. Great to play in that environment. It's going to be huge for them. St. Bonaventure, if you play them on Friday, it'll be the same thing. You'll play Mm -hmm. two two teams, but this is – It'll be road game type atmospheres. uh, uh, NCAA type tournament game situations in an arena like that. Be good for this team. And, can they go out and rebound, play defense, and and finish around a basket? That's going to be things I need to watch. All right, Jason, how can everybody keep uh, – how can folks keep up with everything all you guys are yeah. doing? AuburnUndercover.com, part of the 24-7 network. Follow me on Twitter at ITATJason and tons of stuff coming up. Recruiting, obviously, big coming in this weekend. Basketball, a little bit more baseball. Check us out. Great stuff. Thanks, Jason. We'll see you this weekend. Absolutely. All right, we're halfway done. Need to get to break. Stick with us for hour number two of the Wednesday Drive. Of Alabama, this is the Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the Drive, call 334 321 1390, toll free at 888 382 7502, or email the Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Wednesday Drive here on this Wednesday evening. Bill and Dan with Drew at the controls. Yes, the regular crew here for hour number two. Our thanks to uh, Jason Caldwell from uh, 24-7 Sports Auburn Undercover being with us in hour number one. And, uh, yeah, we, we had calls hanging on at the end of the first hour. We'll get to them. Uh, you can join in. I think we have one line open right now on the Drive Hotline sponsored by Skybar, and that's that number is 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the Drive text box, presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, which is available wherever you listen to podcasts. This is hour number two of The Drive, and it, as usual, is brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. And, yeah, the lines are filling up, so let's go ahead and get to them. And Keith has been hanging on since late last hour. Hey, Keith. 
Hey, yeah, I just wanted to call in and say how pleased I am to see us playing uh, so much better. I was I was pretty uh, down about it and, and disgusted because it seemed like we were just playing for a slower loss earlier, and it's just so on Hugh Freeze. Like, of course, you know, you got to love the recruiting and defense was playing good, and and it just didn't make any sense to me, but. Uh, you know, and all I heard was about uh, the guys catching uncontested or, or contested balls and going up and winning them. And but it seemed like there for the first five or six games, every ball that we threw was a contested ball. We couldn't get anybody open. And uh, you know, as far as uh, and I think Cam that Brown, I was going to say, I, I think that may say something about Marcus Davis um, because I'm, yeah, that's one of the things Specter was talking about was Marcus. And you're right, receivers weren't getting open earlier and Hugh Freeze would talk about the receivers running the routes where they needed to be at the depth and uh, everything at the right spot you're seeing the receivers get open more and Hugh admitted to himself on Monday that he now looking back regrets not having picked up the pace earlier he just felt at the time it was the best thing that he could do to try to keep his defense from just being completely gassed because they don't have so much as much depth. Uh, so now I'm sure in hindsight he wished he'd you know gone full speed and seen what could have happened in a couple of those ball games. But but yes, what we're seeing now is is much more what you expect to see from a Hugh Freeze uh, offense. Yeah, and uh, I think from what I read, he, he said that you know maybe we could have picked up another couple of wins, but you know that's water under the bridge, and and we like to see the direction it's going now, which is, but um, it seems like that uh, our defensive line coach and Hugh Freeze uh, is in Sam Pittman's head, man. They know <laughs> last year they did the same thing to him almost. I mean, and then turned around and did it worse this year. Uh, they just uh, dominated, especially on the defensive line, and uh, it's just kind of weird to see them come in and, and dominate them like that. Well, it's crazy, but, I mean, that has probably been the weakest part of Arkansas's team is their offensive line, and that's why there are quite a few Arkansas fans that love Sam Pittman. He's a great guy, but just wonder, you know, if if, uh, if his specialty is supposed to be offensive line, why are they so bad there? That's right. And then uh, – Going back to uh, to the receivers, um, you know, uh, you, you want to see the guys catch the ball, but I mean, they, they're throwing to Cam Brown because they think he's got a lot of potential, and uh, he think they think that he's one that can do it. I mean, they've seen something in him, and and what I like to see is that he they're running plays that actually get him open, and he and he's getting open uh, somewhat, and I think that he'll come around. I mean. Uh, just because he dropped two or three balls, I mean, we've had a bunch of guys drop balls. And, <laughs> You're you know, right about uh, that. Well, I mean, this is a, it's a, it's a big stretch. It's a big stretch for Camden Brown, not just not just the the next couple of games, but I think his off season because oh, yeah. that's a position where, where he knows that Auburn's trying to upgrade. Yeah, Auburn's trying to bring in guys to to take snaps. You know, another. I mean, one way of looking at it is take snaps away uh, from from Cam Brown. So I think yeah, it's a you know he, yeah. he's, uh, he's he's got to take advantage of whatever opportunities he gets. Well, I'm glad it's just not all uh, hearing about what the uh, talent that we don't have and just utilizing and, and playing with what we got and just keep getting better. But uh, I like it. Appreciate it. Appreciate the call, Keith. 334-321-1390. And Tex is up next. Hey, Tex. Hello, Tex. Hey, hey guys. Uh, sorry I've been able to participate. Despite what most people think, I do work for a living still. Uh, so, uh, 
The uh, my only complaint about Saturday was it was difficult to watch in a church pew while your nephew was getting married for the fourth quarter or half the third quarter into the fourth quarter. So well, they they they, they took it they they took it easy just for you then, Tex. Tex I mean, fourth quarter well, you didn't miss much. I'm not sure I've disclosed this on this show, Tex, but I actually was unable. I was unable to watch Auburn, Arkansas live because I had a Troy game going on at the same time that I was calling Troy Ball State tipped. At, oh, I, th- I thought you were going to give us a really big, big surprise like you were getting married. No, no. A, a, a Troy, <laughs> Troy, Ball, Troy Ball State tipped at the same time, and I thought it was probably not best to watch a football game on my phone while also providing play-by-play. Uh, you're talented. So, you can multitask. I, I suppose. I was able – now, how about this? I was able to get home – and turn on Auburn, Arkansas, without knowing anything about what happened in the game. Wow! So well, I that's... turned it on and was, and finally, oh. when it got to like forty-one, I think I texted somebody and looked up what the final score actually ended up being, and I said, "Because it it could have been a lot more was, than that. It was could have a, been a lot more." But than that's that. when I finally felt con- the wooden fumble recovery <laughs> was when I finally felt confident enough to look up a and box. They're probably going to hang on, and yeah. yeah, and I mean, but it yeah. was. I, I could not believe what I was watching. Well, I will tell you this. I was told not to bring my phone into that church. But thankfully, my nephew, who's a big Auburn fan, who sat next to me, brought his phone in. <laughs> uh, so That's good. I wasn't told I couldn't watch his. Uh, but it was difficult to watch on a little bitty screen for an old guy like me. So the point being is, I, and I've gone back, I've watched it three times since. I, if, if our complaint is about a contested throw and a guy dropping a few balls in that football game, then we're just looking for something to complain about. Because I don't know if we could have played much better other than perfect. And nobody ever plays perfect. And what I saw was a double move for a touchdown on a pump fake to the guy before he went in and then went straightened it out. Uh, for a touchdown, I remember forget which receiver it was, and then I saw receivers getting open, offensive line controlling the line of scrimmage for the most part, a quarterback making probably eighty-five percent of the decisions right. I I don't know. You, you saw a quarterback. You saw better? a quarterback throw it over the middle to a receiver very early in the game oh, yeah. for a, for a big play, which is something Auburn people yeah. have been have been clamoring for. Well, I still think the biggest play in the Vanderbilt game was Javaris Johnson after dropping a couple, uh, running across the middle and catching it on the run for a big game, which started to loosen things up for us a little bit in the Vanderbilt game. So, look, I think the progression that we've made, the ability to play with speed, my only complaint that I've had, uh, there still are times when one side of the offense like if we like one time we had three guys on the right side and one sp- spread out on the left side and we threw a fade to the guy on the left and, and it may have been the Camden Brand throw it may, may have been the Camden throw to when he ran a little out and we had three guys that never left the line of scrimmage on the other side. Well, you know, and and that's what Jason was talking about a while ago is that he really think he really felt like that was expected to be a run by everybody and then uh, and then Peyton um, read. And he read the defensive end and flipped the ball out to Camden, and Camden had no idea it was coming. And I think some of the other receivers were thinking they were run blocking too. Yeah, it was uh, a little bit. It was odd. Yeah, you're right. In, a, in an RPO, 
is not as it, it's it's also the receivers have to make the same reads that the quarterback is mm-hmm. making is making at the same time, and the running back at the mesh point has to be able to make a decision. So the development in the game. Uh, look, Camden Brown is going to be a big target, and I think he's going to play well. Uh, but look. I saw Nolan Ryan get racked one time in a game when he was still throwing 100 miles an hour. So every time, nobody plays perfect every game. So we're looking for negativity in that game. The negativity was, is I had to watch from the halfway through the third quarter to the end of the game on a little small telephone sitting in a church at a wedding. Well, fortunately, you got to uh, see most of the fun stuff. Exactly. (laughs) But, uh, and, and, and the wedding went great. Uh, none of them are Auburn fans except for my wife and I and my nephew that was sitting next to me anyway. Uh, so what do you get when you get a New Jersey group marrying into a Louisiana Cajun family? Wow. A pretty crazy party. Yeah, I was going to say, probably so. Uh, just a little bit uh, baseball talk. Uh, Bill, we had talked a little bit earlier today, and I read that article by Jason, and I've watched several of the games. Uh, the baseball team, I think we have more arms. Uh, we have, I think where I read, we have 80% of our re- innings returning from last year. Yeah, and that means, uh, and, and, and Joseph had five, so. <laughs> and that's correct. So, uh, and uh, by the way, I, I met him at a, a uh, tailgate a few weeks ago in Auburn, and he said he's healthy. He's a, he is, strong. I'll tell you what, he is, he is a, a healthy young man, isn't he? I thought he was. Yeah. Well, he was much bigger than what I thought, has huge hands, and that's why he can he can doctor the ball the way he does just by using a little pressure with his fingers. I'm looking forward to the baseball team uh, coming up. And, look, I don't know much about New Mexico State. I, I heard somebody call yesterday that seemed, to, should we have any concern? I think anytime you play, you, you should have some concern. Yeah. But if we go out and play the way we're supposed to, uh, I don't see any issues. And stay healthy. Get out of it yep. healthy. Yep, absolutely. And last but not, last, last but not least, is uh oh shoot i lost my train of thought i was it, it was can, can i well, say well, text can i say something about the last point you just made while you maybe think of your uh what, what, what you yeah. think about it okay so as far as i think you made an excellent point staying healthy is crucial i still think that auburn should be able you know it represents a huge jump in competition for new mexico state versus what they've seen all year. Oh, Auburn's to more go, talented. To, to, um, to go play an SEC You don't team. want to see Auburn get out there, slop around. Yeah, and, I, I mean, and, I, I keep and, thinking about last year's Western Kentucky game. Uh-huh. You know, that was a scary offense that had produced in big numbers in conference play. They came to Auburn, and they were just, you know, they were punching out of their weight class against the Auburn defense. And although Gunnar Britton uh, obviously represented himself pretty well because Auburn then went out and yeah. brought him in to uh, to play mm-hmm. uh, to, to play on the offensive line. But you know, it does, it does seem like you know, bar- barring a you know, barring a really sloppy performance, Auburn should be several tiers better than New Mexico State. Yeah. And so I remember what we were talking about, Bill. We talked about Stephen Williams earlier today, and the you know the the thing that happened in the oh, yeah. Florida Regional. The ball goes off his glove in extra innings. And I remember how the team reacted to him. Uh, I really felt felt Robbie Ashford's pain when they focused on him going to the sidelines after missing on uh, and throwing the interception. And it it's I I know he's trying as hard as he can, but 
the way the team reacted around him was very positive, which I think is a, a really good thing. It says a lot about that young man. Uh, I hope he finds his way. Uh, personally, I, I think it's baseball instead of football, but I'm not Robbie Ashford, and I don't get to make that decision. And But I just hope he finds his way because I think he's going to be a successful young man in no matter what he ends up doing. So that's the point I wanted to make. Good stuff, Tex. All right, guys. Good hearing from you. All right, we're headed that way Friday. We'll be there for two weeks. Well, All week right. And a half. That sounds All good. Right. We need to get to our yeah need to get to our first break here of hour number two. Love for you to join in three three four three two one thirteen ninety as we continue. Don't forget coming up at the bottom of the hour, it's our weekly Tiger Take segment as Jacob Goins of On the Line uh, spends some time with Eugene Asante. But in the meantime, more of your phone calls here on the Wednesday Drive. Attention large property owners and adventure seekers. 888-382-7502 or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Wednesday afternoon. Bill and Dan with Drew at the controls. Love for you to join in. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise. Yeah, you, you uh, yesterday when you called in, we, we talked a little bit about some of the possibilities in the, uh, in the, post, in the postseason. Um, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. That was yeah, we were talking, talking about the the scenarios, some, some possibilities. Be. I was going. That was you that called. That was well, that, no, that, and, that was when we were talking about. That. You most, gave me a look like, what are you talking I, about? I thought I thought you were I thought you were completing uh, that. No, thought, no, no. Not just alluding. I to was going to say we we did a little of that. That's fun. That's fun to do. And I mean, last night we had the uh, the latest college football polls. Georgia moving up to the top spot. Not terribly surprising no. after beating an Ole Miss team that was number nine in the rankings a week ago. And uh, they they beat them. Yeah. They really beat them. I mean, things... If, if Georgia, Florida State, Washington, and the Big Ten champion all go 13-0, the committee's got nothing oh, to yeah. worry about. Oh, yeah. Then it's easy peasy. You got four then teams. It, yeah. You got four teams for four spots. There could be some, you know, Texas at thirteen and one or twelve and one could be upset that they're too bad. But you but lost ex- a game exactly. You, but but you're up against four undefeated teams. Uh, the eleven and one Big Ten runner up. I, I just don't think that's going to happen though, Dan. I, I mean, think the the odds on there just being four unbeaten teams. I mean, I don't know what no, game aren't terribly long. Yeah, but I, I don't, still I, don't know. That I don't know happen. what individual game threatens that the most it might be georgia alabama in the it, sec it championship might be game. i think i'm thinking i'm thinking i mean i really really like michael Penix in washington but i've got to i mean they're likely to lose a game before the postseason and, or, and oregon could be waiting for them in the back oregon, in the could, oregon state game. this weekend oregon it's, state this it, weekend you know, what about georgia in knoxville no i can't see that you don't think so no. i just don't no i just don't think after Missouri, I mean, after Missouri Tennessee, trampled. Tennessee yeah. is a whole lot better at home. They after, are, yeah, but they're a whole lot better at home. But Georgia is really, really good, and I just, you know, we we've seen that Tennessee offense is not that explosive, high-powered passing offense that we saw a year ago. The thing they do best is run the ball. You think, and I don't think that's a great thing to just be able to do that against Georgia. You think Alabama's got a much better shot oh, at beating Georgia in much. Atlanta than, than Much. Tennessee I don't think it's even close. Yeah. yeah, no, I would say because because it's Alabama, I would think maybe that's that's the – I mean, I guess you've got the – I mean, we're just we're just assuming it's the Michigan-Ohio State winner, right? Like, I don't know if, if the, the people think that the, the other game in the, in the Big <laughs> yeah, Ten who, – Yeah, who, who's it, I on the other side? Yeah, I guess, I mean, it could be. They could have a, they could have a real mess on yeah, their side. Yeah, and, you know, we have a 
Blizzard nine seven Big yeah. Ten championship game. Uh, yeah, no, or I, something. I, I mean, I mean, the most interesting thing would be, you know, what to do. I know, and and because I suspect that it's not going to result in Texas beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa, mm-hmm. but I don't know if that's going if. Texas is RPI, their strength of schedule, whatever, is slipping week by week. Yeah, if you got a 12 and one Bama team and a 12 and one Texas team, I don't know if the committee is just going to look at the head to head result only. Yeah. I mean, Alabama will have added a win over Georgia. And I don't and, and I get I get the argument both ways. That you know, Texas won the head to head. Sure they did. But that was twelve games ago and All right, so Alabama's only loss would be to that one loss Texas team. Right. And, and Texas's loss came to a two loss at this point, Oklahoma team. Right. And I mean, so no, it's uh it would be and it would be it would be brutal to be left out of the playoffs. Oh, it would stink in yeah, favor absolutely. of a, in favor of a team that you beat, you know, that has the same record as you. But I could see, you know, just we, we talked about it yesterday. I don't know how realistic of a of a path we have to a playoff without the SEC in it. And that means right. either Georgia or Alabama, yeah. as painful as that could be for some of our listeners. I hear. mean, the the again, the most well, if you, the about the only way would be all right, Tennessee beats Georgia, Auburn beats Alabama, and then then Alabama beats Georgia well, and everybody's got at least two well, losses. If Aub- no, if Auburn beats Alabama and sends a two-loss Alabama team to the SEC championship. And Alabama game. wins the SEC title. They're probably not going to make it unless you've got a bunch of one-loss and teams. If, and if they were to throttle Georgia to the point where the committee would take a twelve and one Texas team over a twelve and one Georgia team that just lost the SEC championship yeah. game, then you could have Michigan, Florida State, Pac-12 champion, and Texas. But you know, if Auburn if Auburn were to beat Alabama, I don't see any way that Alabama gets in the playoff. Right, and it's funny because I'm hearing so many people are already talking about the travesty of Alabama being left out at 12 and one, and you know they're already looking to that win over Georgia. And I'm thinking they 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 do have one road game that they have to play that is that has been a problem. You know, Nick Saban, if I'm not mistaken, is four and four at Jordan Hare. It would be if if Georgia were to, and I think that was the point that that we had a caller make earlier this week that if Georgia were to be, I mean, if, if Georgia were to be pounded. In the SEC championship game, and still it might be tough. It might be tough to take them, and still get into the. I mean, I think about twenty years ago. Yeah, if, when, if Alabama, just especially if a two-loss Alabama team handled Georgia easily and Texas didn't get in, they would lose their minds. Right, and, and I mean, and, and I, I and I think rightfully so. Rightfully then. so. And, and twenty years ago, Oklahoma, back when we had a two-team playoff in the BCS, Oklahoma got throttled in the Big 12 championship game it was their first loss of the season and the committee still took that was the year you had one loss USC Pac-12 didn't play the Pac-10 didn't play a conference championship game back then you had a one loss USC team you had a one loss uh, LSU team uh, that had just won the SEC championship game in dominating fashion and you had a one loss Oklahoma team their one loss was getting blown out in the Big 12 championship game after looking like the best team all season long, the committee sort of leaned on the num- the numbers and the formulas that said Oklahoma and LSU were the two best teams and not USC. USC, if you remember, was number one in both human polls. The AP, they, yep. were, they were the AP number one, they were the coaches poll number one, and they were left out of the, B- of the BCS championship game in favor of Oklahoma and LSU. That was an Oklahoma team that had just been destroyed in the Big 12 mm-hmm. championship game, you would hope the conference championship games mean enough that the committee wouldn't just ignore, you know, if it, I mean, if look, if Georgia, 
if Georgia looks bad in Atlanta in a loss, you, you really hope that it's not a you know it's a beauty it's, it's not a beauty pageant between Georgia and another one loss team because it would stink to take a team. Oh yeah, that that got that got throttled on championship game Saturday. All right, let's uh, get to the phone before we get to our bottom of the hour break. And Jerry is up first. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Jerry. Hey, guys. Uh, I was just thinking about, you know, Michigan and Ohio State. Both of them are undefeated, looking good. What's the loser going to do? Probably I mean, not. I don't think the eleven and one under the under the way things are going right now. I don't think the I think that Michigan Ohio State is a playoff game. Probably, I think the, I think the probably loser, is. The loser that's not getting it. The the most the best way for them to get two teams in would be Michigan and Ohio State to play a classic and Michigan to win like in in a, in an unbelievable classic by a hair. You'd still that, need some two that would be, Oh, they'd need some help. They'd still, still need some, need some help, but yeah, that two. would be the best scenario for them to try to get two. Yeah, I still think you'd need two lost conference champions and stuff like that because I think if you have a one loss, a 12-1 and one Texas team is getting in over the loser of the Michigan-Ohio State game. You think? I think a 12-1 and one Texas team that wins the Big 12. <laughs> I, and, I, don't, and has, I just yeah. wonder that a 12-1, and one, say a 12-1 and one Texas team that beats a four-loss team in the Big 12 championship gets in but over a 12 and 1 Ohio State that just lost a classic 11, to an 11 un- 11 and 1 Ohio State because they because they would not make the That's right that's right that's right and I think that game. I think that upon losing that game they would fall behind Texas well, I think that I think you that would is, think but then again this is not logic I do I do not think there is a path a realistic path for well, an eleven and one loser of the Michigan Ohio State game. Uh, to get you in. just explained uh, one where logic made it didn't make any sense right. logically. But, but they're not. In, but, we were, but we were talking I about <laughs> inactive. Inactive on conference championship game is really the killer there yeah, because guess. it's 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 out of sight, out of mind. I agree, and uh, and that's great because it makes Michigan Ohio State a playoff game, right? Like we appreciate it, Jerry. Like that. That's that's a uh, yeah. I mean, it, it turns and and I guess if you had if you had eleven and one. Alabama against twelve and zero Georgia, that would sort of become a de facto playoff game because you could have a situation where that's that's one spot in the and playoff. That's what that's what most people are thinking it's going to be. Yeah, and that, and that could be you know one spot in the playoff yeah. you know at stake between two teams. All right, uh, one more call before we get to our bottom of the hour break, and uh, Brett is next. Hey, Brett. Hey, Bill. Um, I might have heard you wrong, but um, were, were you saying that if Auburn happened to beat Alabama, giving them two losses, and then Alabama beat Georgia um, in the SEC championship, that um, Texas should definitely go ahead of Georgia? No, I said Texas would, would go uh, – well, if Alabama beat Georgia handily, yes, I would think so. And you'd have a 12-1 and Texas team with a win in Tuscaloosa. Like that would be, you know, if you're because the common yeah. thread they would have would be Alabama and Texas would have won in Tuscaloosa. And if Alabama beat Georgia, I mean, Texas won by double digits in Tuscaloosa. If Alabama okay. wins by double digits in Atlanta, then yeah, I'd have I'd have a tough time picking Georgia over Texas. Okay, well then, if you have a hard time with that, I mean, everybody should have a hard time picking Alabama over Texas because they ain't nothing that beats head to head, and they're dangerous nothing to beat. Head to head on the other uh, team's home field. I agree with that. Double digits. I mean, I agree with that. I was just, I was just saying what they're talking about when the college football playoff rankings come out. They, they keep sort of hedging a little bit with Texas's strength of schedule. So you're right. I would take, I would take the head to head. Yes. 
Yeah, I, I wasn't, you know, getting on you or saying you're wrong. I, I'm just pointing out. I I, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's it's beyond ridiculous for anybody to think anything trumps head to head. Now, if somebody's got two losses, but if you've got the same record and you beat somebody, I mean, they, they, there's only one way to really figure out and know for sure who's the better team, and that's the play. It would be it would be brutal, and I'm I do I do not think it's out of the question. It would be brutal for there to be one spot left. You got a 12 and 1 Alabama team that just beat Georgia. You got a 12 and 1 Texas team that just won the Big 12, and you got one spot for both of them. And Texas beat Alabama, and the committee could pick Alabama instead. Yeah, like, I, I, I think I it wouldn't would, it be would, surprised would, at all. It would be brutal for it the would. reasons you're citing, Brett. That that the It'd be, hey but, Texas, welcome to the SEC. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hey, Bill. Now this is what we've been talking about for sixty-one years. Is the big is the Big Twelve is the Big Twelve rep on the uh, on the playoff committee going to go to really going to go to war for Texas? Oh yeah. I mean, I guess I guess there's money on on the line for the Big Twelve to make to make the playoff versus not making it. Yeah, parting gift from Texas if they get them in. Right, Texas. Yeah. Well. I know everyone's going to say, oh, I say that because I'm an Auburn fan, but if, if Auburn gets beat by somebody and it's between them and the other team, sorry. Head-to-head is head-to-head. I agree. That's, that's how you determine who's the best. Y'all have a great evening. All right, Brett. Good hearing from you. 29 minutes away from 6, we'll get to the bottom of the hour break. Tiger takes on the other side here on the Wednesday Drive. Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. And uh, right now it's time for our weekly Tiger Take segment brought to you by the Alsabrook Law Group. When you need legal assistance, call Zach. He's got your back. Or find him on the web at alsolaw.com. Earlier today, Jacob Goins visited with Auburn linebacker Eugene Asante. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067 for our weekly segment of Tiger Takes, joined by Auburn linebacker Eugene Asante. Always enjoy sitting down and talking with him. He has become a fan favorite uh, here on the station and on the football field. Eugene, great to talk to you once again, and it's really great to talk to you after another Auburn football win, 48-10 to over Arkansas. Yes, sir, man. I'm glad to be back. Uh... Well, what's it like to be a part of a win like this where the defense played lights out, the offense really came together and played their best game of the year by far, and this game was was pretty much over after the first quarter, man. What's it like for you to be a part of such a dominant victory like that? Um, it was really good. Uh, I think the guys just, you know, needed that confidence boost that we needed to go out there and execute and play a, a full game. You know, we still feel like we didn't play a full game. And uh, I feel like Arkansas, we really put together uh, all phases. Uh, special teams, uh, offense, defense, everybody came to play. Um, go out there and execute the game plan. And it was fun to see them fly around and offense having fun. And, you know, Peyton doing his thing, dropping his shoulder on people. And, you know, the receivers getting open and, and creating separation. So it was overall a great team performance. And we're just excited to grow up on that. And 
uh, bring this momentum into New Mexico. You had eight tackles, and two of those were solo. You got half a sack in there as well. And, man, this defense is fully – it seems like it's healthy and seems like it's still playing at such a high level like it has all season long. Uh, you got, again, healthy is, I think, the best way to put it with, with Jalen McLeod and Austin Keys and, of course, uh, Keontae Scott. Everybody seems to be back and healthy and playing at a really, really high level. Yeah, I think the boys are just, uh, you know, making, taking uh, great efforts to take care of their body, uh, you know, making sure uh, they prioritize recovery and everything they can do uh, to put themselves in the best position. And from there, you know, every, you know, we're getting all our guys back healthy. Everybody's doing their thing. And, uh, you know, we're just grateful to, you know, be in a situation where everyone is, you know, getting back to 100%. It's not very often that a team goes on the road in this league, in the SEC, and gets a 38-point victory and holds an opposing team to just 10 points, uh, especially with with K.J. Jefferson, who is a really talented quarterback on the other side that you were going up against. And what, what were you guys seeing on Saturday where it just gave you guys a, a huge advantage on the road? Oh, uh, yeah, we knew, uh, understood what type of player KJ was. He was a dynamic player with his legs and his passing. Uh, so we understand we had to try to contain him in any way possible. You know, the, he was the focal point of the game plan. Um, so the biggest thing was uh, everybody corralling, you know, doing their 111s and, you know, rush integrity. And when you get to him, make sure you grab body part and, you know, run our feet on contact because he's a super big guy that's hard to bring down. Um, so the biggest thing was just coming in and everybody knowing their assignment. Uh, you know, you know, understand. We understand at this point in the season that Coach Roberts is in a he has a phenomenal game plan. He's always going to call, uh, put us in great situations and great calls throughout the game. So he did that, and um, you know, the guys, you know, had a feel there. You know, Jalen McLeod absolutely wrecked that opposing offense, and you know, guys like Marcus Harris, you know, who's one of the most dynamic guys in this league and going to be an NFL guy, absolutely continues to show what he's made of and capable of, and. You know, there's guys in the back end. We had guys in the secondary making plays. Uh, Caleb Wooden was making plays, uh, scooping that ball up, um, being able to run it down. And that, that in itself led to points. So it's just uh, the defense really just came alive. And we talked about an entire uh, defense performing to, its, uh, to an entirety within a game. I think that is the game that we just say, you know, the defense really didn't perform to its entirety. Yeah, and, and you guys continue to force turnovers. You got two of them, the fumbles in this game, where uh, this this defense, man, you and this team are, are one of the best in the SEC and really one of the best in the country when it comes to forcing turnovers and giving the ball back to your offense, and, and they were able to do something with it this week. Yeah, uh, just, you know, something we continue to emphasize, you know, getting the ball back to the offense, giving them more opportunities. We understand if we win the turnover rate, uh, you know, in, in itself, we'll try, and the probability is high for us to win the game. So, you know, just getting the ball back to the offense in any way we can. And, you know, even special teams points, you know, Deontay took that kick back, yeah. uh, which is a big thing um, that we kept emphasizing, you know, throughout the week. You know, if we, if everyone does their job on punt return, we have a dynamic returner back there. So it's going to be a return. Like, we're going to get a big return. And just seeing it happen on the first return of the game and him taking it back was just another big confidence boost. And we understand that at that point, we're like, you know, we can get these guys out of here quick. So um, just putting, keeping our foot on the gas and, you know, uh, continuing to play our brand of football.
Yeah, our guy Keontae finally got him one, man. We've been waiting on it. We've been waiting on that punt return touchdown, and he finally got one uh, there on the road against Arkansas. We're talking with Auburn linebacker Eugene Asante here on ESPN 106.7. When the offense does what they did on, on Saturday, putting up 48 total points, 21 out of the gate before you could even blink, um, we've talked about it before, Eugene, but man, that is a huge support for the defense and got to take a little stress off of you guys as well when you can look up and all of a sudden it's 21 nothing on the road and, and you put up 48 points as an offense. Yeah, it just allows the guys to play a little bit more free, uh, allow them to know that, you know, we're, you know, we're protected. Um, just play free fast, you know, um, play our brand of football, you know, come downhill and, you know, try to wreck shop. You know, it's not you know, it's a great thing having the offense, you know, put themselves in position where, you know, we can go out there and execute and, you know, just play fast and play free. Um, that's the biggest thing I feel like with, when you go up that much, uh, that's, that's the emphasis, you know, like guys, you know, take your shot when you get your chance, you know, um, just you pull your pin, you know, and play, play green. We talk about playing green off in Auburn, you know, so I'm um, playing a hundred miles per hour, getting to the football and, and, and trying to terrorize the opposing offense. So, I think the guys did that um, to its entirety, and I'm, I'm super grateful to be a part of this team and see the, the growth and development of so many people, you know, young guys and stuff. You know, Kay Lee's coming into his own uh, at corner, um, just being behind uh, DJ and Mighty, he's, he's coming into his own. And we got so many young guys that are stepping up and, you know, showing true signs of development throughout this, you know. So I know that the future of Auburn is in great hands in terms of the young guys and, um, preparing and, and doing everything they can to be the best football player possible yeah I think you're absolutely right uh, when it comes to the future of, of this Auburn football program on both sides of the football we know that you guys went through the four game losing streak where you had tough games with Georgia and Texas A&M and LSU and Ole Miss but near the end of that we could see things starting to click and things starting to come together and a little momentum building and now you're on a three game winning streak man what in your in your mind Eugene what would you attribute that to this turnaround in this three-game winning streak what what's been the cause or the biggest cause for the turnaround late in the season in your mind uh just remaining focused and understanding that those losses were tough losses uh, we're playing great opponents and every week in SEC you have to bring it or you're not going to come out with a victory um we understand that's not by chance we have to we have to put our best foot forward and then in those games, we just didn't put our best foot forward with the things and mistakes that we made that were we had to correct. Um, so we understand that, and we understand that um, from there we had to continue to grow and not hang our head. Um, and that's something Coach Freeze emphasized in the team, you know, um, not hanging our head, um, being understanding and put understanding the game plan and what we put on film, and just growing upon that and uh, just honoring it in practice and going off, uh, putting our best foot forward for the future. And we did that. We, we kept our nose at the, the grindstone, and we continued to push, continued to persevere. We continued to go through all the adversity, through all the noise, uh, to just put our best foot forward. And um, we understood that, that those wins were going to come. We just have to continue to work. And work was, work, all, all we did was work. All we did was work, and all we did was uh, be more attention to the details. And we're starting to get it, and we started to pick up steam, and we, could start, we feel it around here. We understand what, what we really can be. 
well, you're you're feeling confident. Your guys are playing confident, and you should as you are now going bowling. You're bowl eligible thanks to the Arkansas win, something that uh, your head coach, Hugh Freeze, has talked a lot about in year one for him, uh, trying to get to, to the postseason and get to a bowl game. What was the celebration like after the Arkansas game with a big win? You get to the postseason, and now you're on this three-game win streak, man. What was that celebration like in the locker room and then throughout this week? Yeah, I normally try to uh, go on Instagram Live or something so that people can see a little bit of the celebration. You know, not too much, but, you know, just a little bit of a how we get down after a big win like that. So it was an exciting moment. I was on Instagram and, uh, you know, live for people to see. And, you know, we're just playing a trap takeover, you know, walking your trap, take over your trap. <laughs> bank right? You know, it was a good time. You know, the guys enjoyed it. They did their thing. Uh, everybody was excited. Uh, we, You know, we sang the fight song, of course. And just played that song. We understand that, you know, we, we had a big road win against Arkansas. So we're just playing it. Everybody's excited. Uh, it probably took about like 30 minutes for everybody to get out of their uh, game, their, their their game attire. Oh, wow. Because everyone was, everybody was just so excited and jumping around and super excited after the win. So um, it was an exciting thing. You know, Coach Freeze is dancing, you know, like he always does after victories. And it's just a great thing to just see. Well, this week you have a chance to get in the four-win streak column with uh, New Mexico State. You guys are back home in Jordan-Hare Stadium for your final two games of the season. And while you guys are going to be favored, and this is a non-conference game that you maybe should win, um, they've got a talented quarterback on the other side for New Mexico State, man. What can you tell me about him and what you guys are doing in preparation this week? Yeah, they got a talented quarterback, and I think he got a little banged up uh, in their last game. Um, but he's a talented guy. Um, we understand what he brings to the table. He's the spark plug of the offense. Uh, somebody that really gets the offense going. Everything runs through him. Uh, he has legs. Uh, he's very mobile, and he's a you know he's a tough runner. Um, somebody that you know fights for contact, fights for extra yards, and just extremely durable player. Uh, and also gets the ball to his receivers on point. So. You know, they're a really great team to me. I understand what they bring to the table. Um, and just, you know, they got another quarterback uh, who also is a great runner, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so a lot of that is, um, you know, uh, different different type of run schemes, different type of things that uh, uh, test us in terms of uh, getting quarterback in the run game. So having an extra hat, uh, extra blocker on our defense. So we just have to be understand, understand that we have to play uh, physical type football, uh, hold our gaps and you know tear off and go to other gaps and, and be physical so it's going to be a different type of game I think um, we're excited for the challenge of going against a, a quarterback of that caliber and uh, it should be a great game on Saturday and of course back at Jordan-Hare Stadium uh, no longer on the road until your bowl game of course and so I know you guys enjoy that it'll be with the sun going down as early as it does now it'll pretty much be a night game with a three o'clock kick and we know what that atmosphere looks like inside Jordan-Hare yeah, always electric, always an uh, exciting environment just being in Jordan-Hare. Uh, you know, the people always come out and bring energy. And that's what the same type of energy uh, we've had all season. We need that on Saturday. Um, you know, just building this thing up for, you know, I know everyone's, how everyone's looking toward what everyone's looking towards. But um, in terms of us, we're looking towards New Mexico. We're trying to build this thing up for New Mexico and then afterwards, you know, so – we just need that same type of energy, same type of enthusiasm on Saturday. So I, I ask the fans to continue to show up, show up and show out for us. We appreciate y'all, and 
we're going to continue to try and do our thing throughout the, the rest of this thing. Yeah, I like that, man. It's easy to look ahead to, to the game that looms next week and, and after the Thanksgiving holiday, but you got to focus up this week, and I know you guys will. I know Hugh Freeze will not let you uh, look past this team uh, because they are talented. They're, they're an eight-win team, and, man, you got to play well this weekend, and I know you guys will, and we're looking forward to that, and then we're looking forward to talking to you next week as we are having Eugene Asante, Auburn linebacker, join us for Tiger Takes on ESPN 106.7. Tiger Takes proudly presented each Wednesday by the Alsobrook Law Group on the web at alsolaw.com. We need to get to our final break of the afternoon. Stick with us here on the Wednesday Drive. Experience. 